Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the LES. This week we're joined by Roshan Garung, director of Dazed Music. Running Days has put Roshan in some pretty crazy experiences and he's here to share them with us. From moving to Bristol and getting stuck into their music scene, running a nationwide ABBA night and doing a set in the Alps. Sit down and soak it up. Not too bad, not too bad. Alex bought a beer, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, kind of a standard, it's a standard procedure for us. Um, yeah, no, we, we, we're like fans of what Days have done, and we kind of followed it for a bit. So we just, I guess we could start by like, how did that Days and when did it all start, and how did it come to be? Um, day, I was in Days, but not actually properly like one of the starters, actually. It was two of my mates who started it and a few of others of their mates. But they got me on because they're a bit older and I was just starting uni. So they needed some, let's say, young blood in there. And then afterwards, I was like, I'm not going to continue to do this work for nothing. So then came the agreement, like three, four weeks down the line, being like, all right, you're just now a partner. Now let's fully go for it. That's how it came about. But I was one of the persons who started it. I was working for him at Ramshackle at this time, I was just like flyering and yeah. stuff like that. It was just like a bit of summer money. I just had, I was just fresher, I think. And I just, I was like, I need some money. So I was just flyering for him. And then that's how it really all kicked off, I would say. So what was it before you got involved? What, like, how did they start? And what kind of was it when you were getting involved? What point was that? It was fresh. Literally everything was fresh when I got involved. They were just, say the organizers i was like managing the night and then after a while i was just like look i can i can bring all these people to another night there's no point in me doing this yeah and then that's how i like i put the proposal forward and then they took it on and then we moved forward with it really yeah so it started out as a night basically it started out as a one pound weekly night at blue mountain well one pound guest list but if you wanted to buy a ticket it was only like three pound because it was so weekly the other, the only other thing weekly was the SU at that point. So you can either go to the SU, listen to like, I don't know, cheesy bangers, <laughs> or come to this. And it was just as cheap, maybe not drinks price wise, but like entry wise, everything. So people did like that alternative. And I guess when you come to Bristol, you're like, okay, let's explore some new music or something. And that's, I think... That's why it kind of took off at that point because people like it's in the center of town. It's only one pound. Yeah, it's so accessible. Let's just go. Well, like people, like you say, come Bristol as a city. Do you think like it accommodates people who are trying to find something new and and discover some new music? Oh yeah, I think people come here, and then one either their taste range expands massively, or they or they just get like very involved in a different type of genre yeah. like they would have never expected to so i think in that element it is really good that it broadens your like 
range, your taste, your music knowledge, everything. And it can change you as a person. I've seen it happen to like our reps, some friends I know, they come here just like knowing X, Y, and Z, and then they'll leave being like, you know what, this is me now. Yeah. Their whole look changes yeah. from fashion <laughs> to like <laughs> the drinks they drink. It literally can change people, yeah. I think. Feeling as if life's a little bit richer as well, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And is that weekly thing, was that something you targeted? So like, you, did you see that like the SU was like the one night that was like running continually and you thought, wow, we could actually do something and we can take this idea and run it better? Yeah, so there was the SU, which was in the, on campus. So it was a bit too far, unless you're on campus. For campus students, non-campus students, sorry, it's too far to go to. You'd have to get a bus. And the only other night, which was kind of competing, was on a Wednesday. So we're like, why don't we just do one on Tuesday? It's a different group of people, different group of mates. So let's just do it. That's how it came about, really. Could you like, talk... Talk us through a little bit, like what it takes to then run a night from start to finish, like how you go about setting it up. It depends, because back then we'd just book the venue, like scramble our like chapel change, and then book an artist, being like, this is really good, yeah. like we really want to see this artist. I don't know, get, we had our, my mate Morgan designing like the artwork and he was like, li- looking back at it, it's terrible, it's so dodgy. Morgan. Looking back, we're like, oh yeah, this is really good. At that point, but now we're like, oh, what are we doing? Yeah. This looks terrible. And then that was literally it. You'd have one base price of uh, how much the venue hire, how much the artist will be. And you're praying to God that you can make the money back in ticket revenue. But right now, because it's like grown over since then, it really, I think us, we've like expanded as a company and probably grown as people as well. So now before an event, we'd properly break it down into like a profit and loss and everything and include our fixed costs. Like, I don't know, just travel to and from the venue, um, insurance for the events. So like, because the events have gone bigger, we've had to put in more costs, think about it more. And also we depend on it. So it needs to be successful. So if like the margins aren't right, or if we're not feeling it that much, it's not worth doing at this point. So it's very different when you start out. And if you want to keep continuing, you just need to nitpick at the little things, I would say. Well, did you find it quite like intimidating? Because you're at uni, right? And you're like making mates at uni and trying to get to know everyone and then to kind of like put yourself out there and say to everyone like right I've got this club night I'm going to throw can you come like was that quite an intimidating like thing to go through yes it was to be fair I'd be lying if I said no but (laughs) (laughs) I think you just kind of have to do it you know you're like well let's try and make this work what now yeah I really like this music I really like these type of people and I enjoy listening to this night so if I can make a even a small living or like, for me, that was just like pocket change for like a night out or something at that point. Yeah. So you just, you kind of get over that fear and be like, Let, let's just make it happen. Let's make it work. That's how I thought of it. And if something better comes out the end of it, you're like, all right, cool. At least like I'm better off having these experiences, knowing these people now. Mm-hmm. And then as as it progressed on I'm like wait I've like at this level I've met this person who's introduced me to this person so I just see everyone as like 
their own bubble, kind of like yeah. their own circles. Yeah. And then when you touch like their circle, your circle gets bigger. Yeah. And then it just kind of not gets easier, but gets more comfier. And then I guess what I realized was, all right, the more people I know, the more people can come to my night, the more pocket change I can have and possibly in the future make a living. That's how I really thought of it. Yeah. So then meeting people became more of a challenge and like a personal challenge being like, all right, I need to go out and meet more people, tell them about this thing, just so it can benefit me in the future or like the now pretty much. That's how it went around really. What did you study at uni? So I, I, on, at the start, I did business and management and then there was like loads of boys and loads of like other girls in my block doing this course called business entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I was, I just, I was just having a chat with them like on nights out, like just outside the courtyard. So I was like, how does your course go? They're like, honestly, we just go in, do our own thing, review what we've done and how we can make it better. I was like, that sounds great. Yeah. It sounds like what you're doing, right? Pretty yeah. Much, but yeah. Literally, I was like, that sounds great. But I was too not too deep into my course already. They pretty much said I had to finish the year in order to show the new course that I could yeah. complete a year instead of changing halfway through. So I had to stick it out for a year, complete the year, and then change to business entrepreneurship, really. It's called team entrepreneurship. And at that point, that was the third only year it's ever been run in UWE. So it's like, a, we're all like pretty much hamsters, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like some of the staff didn't know what was going on and at first they were like yes you will get like i don't know ten thousand pound to do this course like to go towards projects and stuff you're like fucking great let's do this but looking back at it it was kind of like a white lie but it did work out in the end for most people on there Alex and I went to you and we kind of heard a lot about that like I remember speaking to you about that course a few times and it being like it seemed like the model in which they were teaching it was like, yeah, it was progressive and it was an experiment, but it, like it sounded like it worked. Sounded, yeah, it sounded like I was jealous of it. Yeah, like, do you know what it's called? Like I think it's started off in Finland. It's called Team Academia or something. Right. The model actually came from there, and then how it works is, have you he- ever heard of the like phrase kaizen or something? It's called mm-hmm. like is the Japanese way of making cars called continuous yeah. improvement. That's how they're so like good at making cars. That's kind of what the course believes in, just continuous improvement. It doesn't matter if you're like failing. And they, we had one book we had to continuously learn, which was Lean Startup, which is pretty much focused on just pivoting. The main thing I got was pivoting. If it doesn't work, you pivot, move on. So that was the main aspect of the whole course. If it doesn't work, just move on, but at least give it a go. At that point, I, I think I didn't know what I wanted to do either. And it kind, I kind of just kept stumbling upon different little projects. I was helping my mate do his like, food delivery thing in campus as well at that point. Just nitpicking at loads of different things and then ended up in music being like oh this is actually quite fun to actually organize a night have people come down have people i don't know enjoy the event and then leave 
and the repeat really mm-hmm. we made like 200 pound in our first event honestly when you're a student i thought i was like bored <laughs> <laughs> and she was like drinks for you straight <laughs> to the anchor you go about thousand pounds for that yeah, yeah <laughs> honestly uh, that's but, how it felt but then like with this is there like a feeling of truthfulness where you're just like you're putting on a great night and everyone knows a great night you're not selling something uh wrong does that make sense is it is i guess so in a way, now we do nights, we actually like, all right, we believe in this night. But for us as a company, I don't, the nights we do don't actually make us like, that's not our bread and butter. So our bread and butter, butter as a company is actually like marketing for different other companies. So that's what we do majority of the time. And we got different other like club shows, different type of shows, which kind of tie in back to days. So that's, that's how it operates currently. So there's the Abadiska one, which is the, probably the craziest one out of all of them yeah. and the biggest one. So that's like national, proper tours, everything. And then we do some social media for like artists, like DJs, etc. And then we got the UE contract and the freshest stuff. So that's, that's what we do normally. And then the day oh, stuff okay. now is just like passion projects, I'd say. And then this, we, we have an investor on board, but it came at a time when it was needed due to um, coronavirus, everything. Yeah. It all kind of went down to shit. We're like, oh, fuck, we're going to have literally zero money. And at this point, the big boys were buying like the medium boys. And we got approached by a few people and they're like, would you be interested in doing international tours? And we're like, we had, we had an ever thought about it like the concept of taking i don't know loads of brits to another country who like the music but also want to travel the city so from that point on i would say yes it was really good to kind of put heart and soul into the events and making sure like yes this is what i want to do at least you know like obviously you got a white lie at sometimes with the marketing being like I don't know, final 100 tickets or something. <laughs> <laughs> when there's like 500 there. I knew that was a lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah mate. It's been drilled into you though, the mindset, right? From you. So yeah, yeah. Also, it's like the people you hang out with as well. Yeah. It does make a difference. If you were like, I would say in the first two years of uni, I not not hanging around with the I, i'd say i wasn't hanging around with the right people i, w- I wouldn't say it was the wrong people because they were really good mates still good mates but it's just like people who i don't know wasn't building me up at that point yeah no, i get you completely i don't know how to say that they, they weren't like bad people or like no, yeah no i don't say so you're not trying to offend two mates but like when you go to places where they promote your ideas alongside being your friend as well like, yeah yeah they they kind of like the other type of mates I had was like, I don't know, you boost each other, like being like, all right, you bounce ideas off. Like Alex was saying, you guys like chat shit, but ideas all the time. And it was really good. And this has come along. So yeah. that's like the type of people yeah. you want to be around. Yeah. Really. Yeah, exactly. But the other type of people I was with was just like, I don't know, we'd watch, what's that prison cell or something? Prison break? Prison break. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or like just stuff like that nonstop. Yeah. And just like mind-numbing stuff, which I which I didn't mind at the time, but when I just 
look back, I was like, what was I doing? Yeah. Because it's such a thrill in doing, isn't it? Yeah. Creating and getting out there and doing some Yeah, yeah. Because like, I speak on behalf of three of us. We get so much enjoyment out of doing it. Get so much enjoyment from being here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, like I said, it's like so much better than being sat at home watching prison. Break. Don't feel like you're <laughs> yeah. wasting your time. No. It's and then it's like when you guys bounce ideas. Like I don't know what might come from your last podcast. Would be like, oh, we should try this next time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe like yeah. I don't know, doing a hot air balloon or something. <laughs> 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 well, like, yeah. Next one. <laughs> See if it would make a difference to the chat. <laughs> That's the like next one we use. The whole yeah, uh, oh. I'd have to be sat down. Or <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's like that safe space, like early days, and it would have been the same for you doing this and us doing this. Is like there's a fear that you're gonna get like laughed at or take oh, yeah. piss out of, and you just need those mates. Like at the start, like we probably take the piss out of each other, but there's a safe space for you. Like you can fuck up and it not be like the end of the world yeah I think accepting that you you're going to lose like 999 times yeah that's what it's going to mm. that's what doing your own thing is about yeah and then as long as you know that one that one time it does like work out it'll taste really really sweet yeah you just got to accept that I think there's like this uh, I don't know what his phrases or like what, what you'd call him like a guru or this guy who's like an icon with all this like mindset thing, my friend really follows him and he goes, you can only like win or learn in every single situation. There's no losing as long as you're doing something, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that one before, yeah. Yeah, even if it comes to like people, you can use that same aspect. So mm-hmm. I, I think back on some people I've met, I'm like, all right, he was a, kind of like a dickhead, but at least I know now it's in your subconscious, you meet this type of pe- person, you're like, not the person I kind of trust or like everything, give my full heart to, but you can like take it into consideration and then move on. You're like, all right, next time, at least I know to avoid this type of yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like these are the warning signs from early on and then move on really. Yeah. So how many of you are there in days full time now? Because we're in days to HQ here. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, three full time, one part-time and there's our investor but other than that that's it really it's unreal though to come from you know a night a week at a pound entry to yeah it, know, it is quite overwhelming when you look like, back yeah but for us i think we still don't think it's like real you get what i mean what's happening we we've just i think we're still in the mindset when we started early days being like just move forward carry on moving forward no matter what yeah so for us the pandemic was quite hard but we're just like all right we need to like change up our tactics etc and move forward that was literally it from the beginning but i hope that never changes because when you get comfy and realize i don't know you're quite big or something say you get big i think that's when you're in like a dangerous yeah. field, yeah, yeah, yeah. the moment yeah. complacency creeps in. Yeah, yeah that's that's when you're in a dangerous yeah. field. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever get like a bit of like an imposter syndrome when you're kind of like sh- when you're in, you throw a massive event and you like this shouldn't be me doing this. Do you ever get that in a way? Um, yeah, mate. Naturally, I think imposter syndrome. I think like every single type of like not syndrome, like anxiety, all that stuff. I think everyone has it to a certain degree, but it's just about how you manage it when it does come. Mm-hmm. So it's like when we throw like an event, a big one, you are nervous, but then you're like, 
you think back to all the moments and all your like experiences you're like actually you know what we can get over this I've, I've done it already and then you just learn to manage it so for example like um anxiety of meeting people as well that's the same thing you're like actually you know what i've done this a million times they're not going to bite me we're not going to start fighting <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not. Anyway. and you're like they're nice as long as you're nice you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you move on really that's what i would say so talking about like growth like you know you want to keep it pushing want to keep it going like Bristol is like your staple place where yeah. you do a lot of nights as mentioned doing a few in Bath and Cardiff yeah yeah but like where's next that's, uh, that's what we want to do so we do have a UK tour coming up but when I say UK tour it's just like all the cities we've been active in but I think what the pandemic has showed us is being like there's no point doing things you don't want to so we've knuckled it down to making the most out of the um, events we have on so it's just like how can we because we're at the end of the day we are a business so we do need to drive profit mm-hmm. just so we can all eat and pay rent etc <laughs> so being like okay let's put all our energy into these events and then we have grown too fast too quickly before right and that we have lost um, quite a lot of money just because we got too big for our boots being like oh yes like this has worked sick we got now a bit more money in the bank should we try this in a different city where we had no i don't know no relevance uh, no connections anything but it, it was available for you to book a venue etc did it literally like a lead balloon it went down it wasn't it wasn't good so i think when it comes to expansion only when it's the right time yeah but for now I think we got like six, seven cities, which we're really happy with. And then I think if the opportunity comes and the gut feeling is there, we just go for it, really. How do you go about uh, like gaining relevance in a new city? Like, do you go through the unis and people like that? Yeah, so it's different now because it's so digital yeah. these days. So yeah, you could right. have like one post which goes viral, then all of a sudden there's 500 people from Cardiff following you or like 500 people from Norwich. And then they'll message us on our, like, Instagram and be like, are you ever coming to Norwich? Like, over the course since we've been locked down, our London presence has nearly, like, doubled up to, like, the Bristol one. Right. And I don't know how that's happened. I, I'm pretty sure it's just, like, all digital. Mm. But we've never done an event in London. So it's, just, it's really hard to, like, grasp being like, this is, this is how to do it. I don't think there ever is a manual being like, mm. yeah. Because times change. Yeah, now you people, follow the data and stuff as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you got to read what's right. And you, it's really hard with events, I personally find, because you can never know if it's working or not unless you're doing, like, Facebook ads or, like, promoted ads. So, like, for example, we'll spend £100 on posters and £50 on someone putting it up. But we don't know, actually, if it's even doing anything. Yeah. Get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's got a tribute, right? Yeah, yeah. so you're yeah. like, wait, is this even doing anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's been done for so long that yeah. you're like... If actually, you don't, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, think you'd almost see it if you took it away, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, with the, like, the posters and stuff like that, granted, you're not getting, like, digital footfall, you know, and all that sort of stuff, but it, it's a presence. Yeah. yeah. It, it's you like know? when you see a billboard of, like, I don't know, Mackie's, like, big... <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut you just want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just see it. You're like, oh, look, 99p <laughs> yeah. for a cheeseburger. I'll go get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. poses, man, you t- like 
we we've taken I take bamboo all the time. You take yeah. bamboos all the time. Fucking right? stick them in my sock. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, yeah. I'm it does it does work. Yeah. I think yeah. in the way of there's no way of quantifying it yeah. and being like this is measurable data, but yeah. it works in the sense someone like you will take it home. Yeah. Four people might come to your house. You might all be having beers in there. You're like, what's oh, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, literally. It's kind literally. of like, like, you know, like how vinyls had a resurgence. Everyone's vinyl. It's kind of, there's still that thing that people want a poster and mm. they want that. Like, there's still importance in that, I think. That is true. So you're going to throw a, are you going to throw a London night? Yeah. So we're, it's part of the UK tour, really. And it's, so what I would say is difficult for us to be like, yes, days has worked like this. And this is the success method is, I, I wouldn't say it's the right thing because our connections come from, like I said, the other jobs we do as well for like the ABBA stuff or like, I don't know, artists we already know. Yeah. So they introduce us to these venues, these uh, promoters, etc., which comes from different angles other from Dazed. And then we introduce them to Dazed and then it kind of goes from there. I need burp, sorry. <laughs> yeah a following though right you know people love it yeah it is we do have quite a following now I would say especially over lockdown because it's just like a lockdown we're like what do we do we, we, we can't even promote a show one so what do we even post out on our pages so we just started doing like loads of mixes pushing like people doing live streams and then all of a sudden people are like oh can I be posted on your page as well and it just like, when the numbers got going, it was like a big snowball and then it rolling down the hill. And it was getting a bit ridiculous, like how many followers we were getting per day. But that's kind of how it all triggered on, really. From not us pushing like our own stuff or anything, but our success factor in the, that way was we, had, we were pushing other people, but them doing what they wanted to do in our field and industry. Yeah, so then okay. DJing, and then they're like, oh, look, this company pushed me today and would share it to their, I don't know, 600 friends, let's say. And then that 600 person would see it. And out of that 600, maybe five of them are DJs. And they would send us a message as well, being like, oh, can you help? Oh, my God. Yeah. So you've, do you reckon you've come out of lockdown with bigger and better followers? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Going into lockdown, we were, I don't know, four or five K into our like Instagram followers. Now we're on nearly 22. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's some growth, man. Yeah, 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 literally. They always say the was it the first hundred is the hardest, the next thousands the hardest, and then after that it's just like yeah, it's like say a snowball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally now it's just about keeping foot on the pedal, but also when there is a lot of people, they get bored a lot easier as well. Mm -hmm. So after a while, when we started yeah. pushing these DJs, nobody started caring because obviously other pages can see what we're doing as well, so yeah. they started doing it. So. And then next thing you know, everyone starts doing it, and then it gets a bit like diluted. Yeah, yeah. So then, then you got to start creating other stuff, and I, I guess that's where the whole aspect of creativity and doing your own thing comes from. You're like, let's move on to something else now. Talking about like things being diluted, did you find and and in in light of things going to London, do you find like <coughs> Bristol? There's an element that it's getting diluted in Bristol and you have to then expand to London stuff or is that not a thing? I would say Bristol is probably one of the hardest places to come into from if you're a different promoter from a different city. But if you're starting out in Bristol, it's a different um, 
story because you, you'd already have friends here and then you can invite them to your nights and slowly grow from inside out, really. But coming into Bristol, there is a night on probably every single day of the week in yeah. normal times, to, um, two times a day, literally. So there is just no space for anyone trying to come in yeah. unless you're already in the city or unless you come offering something so different that the city doesn't already. Which shows what you guys done is incredible because it's like you built, even you're still quite young, the, the business to an extent that you've grown this presence in a city that is quite competitive. Yeah, to be honest, when we started, it, it was kind of everyone against us, really. Was it really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody really... Well, all the other promoters. And yeah, stuff. yeah, nobody wanted us here. Why is that? Because you were the, the new kids, you were, you were like... Yeah, yeah, like I said, stuff. it's so hard, so cliquey when you get in. Yeah. But they were just like... So we were putting on this one pound nice, and then we were putting on like, say, a certain genre of artists. Say we'll put on a drum and bass artist. The Wednesday people would do... Would top that up, would, would wait for our announcement and top it up with a better one so people go to the Wednesday one. And it was just getting a bit ridiculous after yeah. a while. And then... Soon after, suddenly, when you start playing that game and put that like type of energy, they crashed and burned, obviously. So they're no longer like operating or anything. But I'm pre pretty much everyone was just like, no, just like anti, just being like, this can't happen. Because you get a bit complacent being like, this is our city, we yeah. can't let someone else come yeah, in. Right. But it goes to show that like, when people focus more of their energy on trying to show you guys other like, people yeah you guys are just focusing on the nights and yourself and stuff yeah exactly we're like alright if you don't want to work with us and there was like other promoters telling other promoters being like you cannot play for their nights etc as well yeah oh, yeah it's yeah. that level of like um, like a like a bitch fight like a cat fight you yeah. know that motivates you guys I guess because it's like just actions speak louder than words in a way yeah we're just like alright if you feel this way like then that's how you feel. We can't really change it. We're just going to move on with it. But also, it kind of like shows that anyone can come in at any point yeah. and then just kick out people. Yeah. For example, it's like... challenges, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, even for us, that's why we kind of look back and be like, all right, if there's new people starting. We just never wish some, some people had to go through what we did, yeah. for example. So we're like, if you're a bit more open to them, they could... Next thing you know, they could be the next biggest like brand in the UK or internationally. So it's just like keep everyone sweet, really. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's grow together, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, literally. That's what I think as well. So other than like them engaging in a bit of a bitch fight, how, what, what, why do you think that you outlived them? Um, so I would say events would have like a three-year cycle. When, well, student events from my. Um, experience from when you start uni when you have the idea to when you leave first first couple of events your whole your whole friendship group will come non-stop just because friends are friends they'll support you and then after a while your friends will be like no nah, i can't be asked <laughs> <laughs> literally that, that's, and that's when you got to like kind of grow and then get different audiences get different people involved and i think that's where we kind of like separated because we were so like outcasted in the Bristol scene, we're like, all right, let's focus our energy into the places they aren't in. And we started growing in different like areas. I don't know, like we got this one festival in Budapest 
we, we were lucky to get on that. It was literally sheer luck, us messaging and the person on the other end not having a clue who we were. And then him taking a shot because he thought he was doing the right job. And then that kind of gave us a pedal up to other different things. And then it just kind of starts to like domino and accelerate. And we started to grow somewhere else where the people within the city were, I guess, at the same level. And there's that dominance level be like, well, you can't get higher than me. Yeah. And then at that point, everyone just like kind of stayed at the same level where we were like on a different course growing and then came back. That's what I would say, really. Did you guys, am I right in saying you guys had something in the Alps? Did you do something in the Alps? Yeah, so that's, we don't actually do much things in Bristol. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Bristol's home. Yeah, yeah but Brist- this is where we're just based. And then that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll chat more shit after. <laughs> and then the Alps thing came literally after um, one of our friends who was involved went to Bath Uni. He was also a part of Days at this point. And then someone asked him, they were doing the Bath Uni ski trip. Yeah. And because he DJed, he was like, oh, sh- sh- should I try and get us on it? And luckily we found this sort of deal where like, all right, you can get on this ski trip, but you've got to get the bus, everything. Oh, so yeah. we were on this bus <laughs> with like random students. And we're like, this is sick. Like, <laughs> free trip. Yeah, yeah. Free trip, but it's like 24 hours. Like, the bus is pretty wild though, right? Nah, it was Bath Uni, mate. <laughs> I thought that was sick, man. No, I, I thought that as well. I was like, oh, this could be so sick. I've never been to a uni ski trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard so many stories. Went there, literally. We were watching like Shrek on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a whole show in there. Yeah. yeah. so bad. Because it was like four boys from UE. We, we're the ones going to DJ. And our mate from Bath. We're like, all right, what booze is everyone taking? Everyone taking booze. We turned up with like, literally like crates and everything, ready to have a party. <laughs> and then they were like, all right, quiet time now. It's night time, we're getting on the bus. And literally no one made a sound. And we're just like steaming on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We're like, can we even talk to each other? And we just, we passed out. Our plan was pass out after we leave the ferry. So when we're in France, we can wake up at the Alps, and that did happen. Nice. Oh, <laughs> that was yeah, our plan. So maybe they knew what they were doing the whole time, Bath Uni. Yeah. Or not. They're just soft on the piss. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like in the Alps when you had the, the event there? It was good. Um, but I wouldn't say it's something I would jump to again, getting really? on the bus. But our relationship with this one tour operator doesn't actually exist anymore because we fell out there. Right. It, it was kind of like a rogue falling out, but what that kind of boosted our brand credibility, us as people, us as DJs, to kind of then show to people in Bristol who we still have the contact with, like, bloody hell, they're like, yeah, go, yeah. they're going out of France, yeah. DJing. Yeah. Why are we still here, like, DJing this to the same people, same time? So we just kept growing, like, out and out more further than rather in the city and then so when we did eventually come back they're like oh it's, these boys have been doing sick everywhere else and then suddenly like all the promoters be like yeah, oh, ones you then yeah, yeah be like do you want to work with us as well like they want to get in what you yeah want. yeah that's literally how it came about have you had any big pinch me moments 
like throughout the whole thing. There are moments where you thought, fucking hell. Uh, to be fair, it would, it would probably be one of the ski trips. Yeah. When I was literally like, it was just me DJ. like, I'd, I'd, you'd have to ski to the thing. We're all like hungover as shit, but we're sat in this like, you know, folly? Yeah. Yeah, one yeah. of the follies. They're really like very bougie, like even the people who own it, manage it. <laughs> like this is like, let's say the green room. So we're all sat in the green room before we go on after the French DJs. And they're like, what do you want? We're like, what do you mean? And they're like, you can have anything off the menu, like any drinks you want. Like you bought them away. But us being us, we're like four pints. <laughs> <laughs> just like literally the, chose like the shittest thing on the menu. And chips, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and we're like, all right, this is quite sick. And they're like treating us so well. But we're like, okay, this is probably once in a lifetime thing. But it was, it was a good thing to do because like the sun was out. You can see yeah. the mountains. You're like, this is class. I'm like 22. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I, I wouldn't have dreamt of this if I hadn't kept on pushing, kept like being like, kept persevering, being like, this is not the end. Yeah. All right. This, we keep moving forward with different ideas, different people, and just being open to I guess all kind of opportunities, not being like, nah, this isn't us actually. Because yeah. you never know where that might lead you. But that was my biggest pinch me moan when we were just like four boys in the Alps. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous of that. Yeah. And then just bringing it on to I saw in a video on YouTube, one of Zach and Jay videos, you did a party in the. Oh, yeah, the gondola. Yeah, thing. like, can you talk us through that a bit? Like, So that, that trip, we. We've actually like at this by this point solidified our relationship with this, the tour operator Wasteland. So the first ever trip trip we did, which was two years prior to that, we did it well. Did it for completely free. Paid we paid for our flights to get there. Be like sick opportunity. So I went there with the mindset being like, all right, there's gonna be so many like people I can meet here in order to help myself in the future. So went there just being like, I'll do anything you want, pretty much. Delivered. And then fast forward two years to that, they're really nice being like, oh, these boys helped us when we needed it. They DJed everything for us. And then the relationship kept building and building. And at that point they were like, oh, um, we got this trip. And there's this many people who can come. And at this point I was like, you know what? I'll ring Zach and Jamie up just because I don't know what we were doing the time before. And I was like, do you guys want to come? Obviously, it'd be great if you could shoot a video as well and then promote Wasteland and us. So that's why we kind of took yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And it did help a lot. And we're like, so we're like in the airport, at like 5 a.m. Bristol. We're like, what are the ideas? We're like, we don't actually have one. We're like, oh, what? You don't have an idea. What do you mean? And the idea didn't actually come about until the third day there. <laughs> They're like, because we went on this lift up the gondola and we're just like all just sitting there still no idea and then at this point we're expecting a video of them we're like come on like work your brains a bit yeah, yeah. and they're like what if we threw a party at that because val torrens was the highest part um highest resort in uh, europe so they're like what if we threw it at the highest point possible in europe and we're like well how much high what's the highest we can get where we can all ski i don't know take a speakers out and that was the easiest thing to do, get in this gondola, which takes you to the highest point. <laughs> but it was kind of a challenge because 
you know, like you're getting on the ski lift, there's so many randomers. Yeah. Well. And we're trying to get yeah, like pushing the shove and getting the right thing. Yeah, and man. then like the speakers were all the way back there. Everyone's like, I'm going on. We're like, wait, wait, we can't go on that. It was a nightmare, to be honest. And we're like, shit, we don't actually have like songs. And <laughs> literally, when we we're going up the gondola, I lost like signal. I couldn't even play the song. So we're like sat there for like 30 seconds, like no one talking we're like alright this is going to be an absolute flop <laughs> but luckily the signal came back and we contacted some of like the ski society the film people were like look we're going to do this just come let's just all have a good time it, lo- it was like a 20 minute gondola to be fair and we thought we could get it back down, but they're like, everyone needs to get off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ski down off. And it was, it was yeah. the worst conditions ever. So we're, <laughs> so we're like, hang on. I was like, I haven't bought my helmet, anything. Because we thought we could just get it down. They're like, no, everybody needs to get off. And literally, it was like the worst time going down. So many like un, unskilled, untrained like skiers. <laughs> Going down pretty much like an icy blacks, like yeah, literally on ice, it's just so scary. But that's how it was like so class. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess nobody knew what was happening. Nobody knew like this is the plan. Everything be like, all right, let's just wing it, see what yeah, happens. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Do you know what that kind of as well was like? What you were saying about hanging around with people who, the right kind of people, like just listen, have a go. Yeah, the yeah, ski society. Right. Those two, you all just wanted to do something fun, and you did it. Yeah, literally, that was it. We're just like, look, we let's try this thing. We have this idea. If it doesn't work, it doesn't bloody work. Who, who cares? Yeah, Who's right. gonna laugh? There's only fifth, like probably like thirty people in that gondola anyway. But when it did work, it take like it was so class. <laughs> We're like, what is happening? We got like our mate. He's a massive vapor. So he was like the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> he was the smoke machine. <laughs> and then we got like fake security brands, like bands, and made it like, like it was like a mini club. We had a VIP area in the gondola, <laughs> and like DJ decks. We didn't actually manage to sort any, but we got these big speakers, and we had pizza from the night out before. So we just like drew like circles, like how decks would be on the pizza box and took it. That's what we did. <laughs> So did, did you one. like the stuff that they that video? Did you see like because obviously there was a, the idea to it can help expose you. Did you see a benefit from that video? Um, it it was weird with with that whole thing and with the whole Zach and Jamie thing because we've been mates before they were actually like YouTubers or anything. I don't think I ever see videos or those features as like a step up to anything. Yeah. But it's just like. It's good to have. For me, I took them out more just because if they made that video, it would, one, look good on Wasteland as well. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, these big YouTubers are promoting um, our company and it's from Dazed and from Roche. So then they were really happy that we were promoting it on their big channel. And that kind of like, let's say like, helped our relationship grow with Wasteland being like, oh look, they're actually bringing out people to help us so that's that was the main aim for me personally to keep growing the relationship with wasteland and hopefully like they can see the actual like aim and goal of why i bought these two not for like personal reasons being like mm-hmm. actually you know what they got so many followers they're gonna boost me up it's clever man it's yeah clever. so it's... it was it was kind of like having a bit of a think in advance being like what's the actual benefit of these guys being here and the main benefit isn't actually like us all 
then Zach and Jamie just came up with a free trip. Yeah, exactly. Mate, it's crazy. Like we at that point they did like so they did the fashion video which blew up and then they did Zach did the Conor McGregor one when he walked out with Conor McGregor. Yeah, I told you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight, and there was people like literally stopping us on the middle of the slope, being like, "Can we have a picture? Can we have a picture?" Yeah. Really? Oh man! But it's clever of you though, because so many people in that would fall into that trap and be like, "Video views, subscribers, then days." Well, you're seeing it more like long term and building relationship with wasteland. Yeah, so that kind of is a more clever way of doing it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think the short term of them being there would have probably boosted us up a few numbers for sure, but I don't think that's the real gain. I think yeah. the, there was a bigger picture to the, that whole thing. And now, for example, from doing that and c- keeping on building on the relationship with Wasteland, like we're just working on our own like um, solo ski trip with them as Disco Wonderland. So that obviously they have that trust within us and everything, and that that's grown massively two years forward since that trip yeah. to our own solo ski trip. So. There's such an appetite for the other stuff, isn't there? Like, oh yeah, yeah. We got really lucky because we launched the nights and it was like Mamma Mia 2 was coming out right. <laughs> it went crazy yeah. like with the nights it's either they're like 18 to 24 or like 35 plus like, <laughs> like yeah. just the actual Apple fans or Mamma Mia fans yeah. <laughs> there was no in between yeah. Yeah. Like for you personally do you, do you enjoy DJing more or like event running and, 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 and promoting and stuff more like where, where, where is your passion like I think for me, it, it would be more the, it's a bit of both really. I don't really like DJing the Disco Wonderland stuff. It is a lot of fun, but it's a bit, creatively, it, uh, in the creative side, it's a bit like flat. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, flat, because yeah. we're doing the whole tour and it's like, I already knew what was coming up next. Yeah. But whilst with the DJing side of things, when it's like dazed or like people, you've got to actually keep dancing with, music selection mm. that's when it's a bit creative and that's when your brain's a bit work, working a bit I would say so it's a bit of both so it's like keeping that balance and after a while when I was doing too much of the ABBA stuff I did actually like start hating DJing a bit because I was like this right. is a bit shit because that was the only thing I was doing at that point because yeah. it was like non-stop like city after city and you're like is this even creative you start going in self-doubt you're like yeah. wait am I even doing anything here yeah, we sorry. I don't mean to interrupt no, you. Are you. Were you DJing before you got involved with Dazed, or is that kind of like been like a bit, bit of a happy byproduct of fuck? I can get involved. I can spin some, spin the decks. <laughs> so I started like DJing. It was weird. It's like after my trip to Cavos, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I come from Brecon, which is like smallest town, ta- one of the smallest towns, let's say. And we only have like pub clubs, you know, you go and there's like your local DJ that everyone yeah, knows yeah. who does like everything from wedding to like the <laughs> <Yeah>. pubs. <laughs> and then that was the only form of DJing I knew. And then 
we went to Camels, and then all I, all of a sudden, I'm hearing like two, three tunes being mixed together, and you're like, what is this? Normally, you just hear tune after tune in Brecon, and I was like, this is really cool. I've never seen this, like, never got to witness this because I've never actually been to a proper club before, and then got really interested and bought like this like mixed CD of this like random bar DJ. Took about listening to it and then kind of was intrigued at that point, but never got into it. First year uni, I moved in and there were so many like different peoples from like London, everything being like, oh, have you heard of Jungle? I was like, what the hell is Jungle? <laughs> like just no clue. And then kind of like dug deeper, dug deeper, met people and they're like, oh, this is like, I don't know, house, this is disco, this is just a different type of genre and I was like whoa I never knew this and this this is how you mix into it but I think because I was so uneducated in the whole DJ world I every every single time I met someone or learned something it was a bit interesting so I was like whoa there's like so many things I can learn here and then where it got interesting in the creative side was like I could mix I don't know some vocals of like a drum and bass song into yeah. a house song or something just like use those vocals and like pitch it down etc and just get creative with it so that's where my DJing thing spark is still alive where it's like well you can actually like mix and do a lot of different things at once not just like play song after song yeah right man. so it's just like I think because it challenges you creativity it, with your creativity being like what can I do next what can I do to keep the people happy? And it's like finding a happy medium bec- between playing the songs people want to hear, playing the songs you want to play, really. Yeah. And that's where the marry-up of what nights you do and what events you're at, right? That's what the yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the where the events pl- um, side comes to play, it's like we'd book DJs and you'd hear music and you're like, shit, what is, like, what is this tune? This is so sick. And then it just kind of like keeps that fire going, being like, wow, maybe I can make something like this or mix this song into this song like he did, but do it differently. So just like, that's where the event side is so like good to go to. And then you you see so many people coming through as talent or just different styles of mixing. It's just like chefs really. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has a different style and then you can implement certain styles from their things and put it into your stuff. Have you got a particular genre? Not really. it just depends. It depends on, for me, mostly it's mood, you know, what mood you're in. You yeah. wake up sometimes, I don't know, I don't know, one day I might blast like Rihanna or something, but the next day it might be like a proper like old school jungle tune or something. Just depends how you're feeling and the mood, etc. So I wouldn't say there's a certain, this is me. I think for me, that's where the passion still lies, being like, there's so much still to listen to and explore. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so playlists will go Rosh, your first choice, mate. Yeah, yeah, so your first choice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember my It first will choice. be uh, So Sick by Neo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Banger, isn't it? So sick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> back, back to secondary school. My mate, primary school, no, it's secondary school. Was it? Me, yeah. You basically, I had like this walkman phone remember those yeah, yeah but i didn't know how to properly get songs onto it so i would record 
from the radio, you know, like the actual tune and then listen to it like that. <laughs> that's Bluetooth it to you. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no headphones, like up to your ears. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like nine or ten, but I was like, oh, I rate this song so much, even though it's about heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> I had zero heartbreaks at that time. <laughs> I don't know why I liked it so much. I remember it though, like I remember watching yeah. it on like Kiss music. Like, yeah. And the, like you remember on, I remember grandparents had Sky and like um, there was like the music channel and like Kiss. Like, Star song was on yeah. all of Yeah, Stars. Stars, yeah. yeah. Send a text You can text in. Yeah. yeah. And your name goes past. Cal in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many Zs. Yeah. Rosh is so heartbroken for yeah. this one. Top quality, 12.15 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> banger. It's got a good bass line, I think. It's got a pretty good bass line. So, it's a very pick-me-up song. Is yeah. That's where it's down on my DJ. <laughs> a bit of attitude as well. It's got a bit of chanting in there. So yeah, Boulay Boo by Abba. Rosh's next one is Bat Country by Avenged Sevenfold. Oh, oh what a choice! <laughs> I, got, I, I picked that one out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heavy one. That's when I was like kind of at my emo punk rock phase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know when it's like all the... You can see how it develops and still changing stuff from like Neo So Sick. <laughs> That's when I was really into like heavy metal, not heavy metal, but heavy rock music, etc. And then that was my peak, I think, <laughs> of like um, rock music. And then <laughs> after that, it just gets a bit like it's so the... intense. Yeah, yeah mate, had, had the whole fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all double bass pedal in that song. So that's <laughs> <the way. laughs> it's just so intense, but I still remember that. I remember buying it. My sister looking at me like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> My song. Alright, considering some of the guests that Dazed has uh, booked, being like AC Slater, DJ Gov, I thought, oh, I yeah. Uh, yeah, man, bring up some of my DMV knowledge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you had this, you yeah. in a locker. I've been to uni, man. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't go to Bristol. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, this is, uh, this reminds me of like, you know, go out for a DMV night and stuff like that, and it's just like, more, one of the more standout <laughs> ones, just because it's like, I think it's so ridiculous, but. I'm going for River Monster by S-A-S-A-S-A-S. Oh my god. That's the best reaction. 
Jeremy Wade, and for 30 years I've been investigating underwater mysteries, tracking down fresh and saltwater killers in some of the most remote corners of the world. But this is something very different. River, river, river monster. River, river, river monster. River, river, river monster. And this is drama base, and we're comfort conquer. River, river, river monster. Very in your fra- in your face jump ups. Ah, oh, big time. Following events, big time. time as well. Yeah, <laughs> there's a good build up here. There's a good yeah. build up. I know, I know. But we're gonna soften it up a little bit now. Yeah. I suppose we're changing tact. Is yeah. what we're doing right now. We're nothing but a G fan. Oh right. Yeah, that was that was your choice, man. That is a really good song. I think it's just like. I think it's just Snoop Dogg in there, yeah. how he kills it, and then just like the melody is like so simple. Yeah, that's kind of like Snoop Dogg is best. In yeah, there's yeah. not much to like old hip hop songs except like sampling, let's say. Yeah, yeah. But it's just so simple, yeah. and then I think that's kind of why like like drum and bass and jungle and everything, because it comes from like elements of like hip hop, just sampling and sampling, and then. They make something out of loads of samples and they feel like this is the product and we've made something else from this. One, two, three into the boat. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low depth, nigga, so we're crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfatable, so please don't try to fake this. But uh, back to the lecture at hand. Well, Al, you're queued up now, man. I've gone for really rogue. I've gone for, I don't even know much about it, so I can't even talk much about it, but I just like what it sounds like. I've gone for TV Girl, Birds Don't Sing. Right. Uh, pop band from Los Angeles, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about it at all, so. You had a different one locked in. From in the car, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I was. <laughs> yeah. I know, man. I just, I listened to it today. Oh, awesome. Yeah. How does it sound? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's one of those ones that to sneak on there. The purpose of the place is it share music, so you share one of three of us because we've not had that one. Yeah, so, so. Nice. Stuck to the purpose. We've got, uh, on the, well, not the last one, not Penelope, but the one before that. <laughs> <laughs> the third. <laughs> the third. <laughs> the linguist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Forever by Chris Brown. Oh, what a banger. <laughs> this was like the Afghan scarf around the neck, leather jacket days. Yeah. Chris <laughs> yeah. Brown, not me. <laughs> I remember this tune, right? Because if one is because of that scene that goes and then the other was this was came out like year seven year eight I want to say when I was at that age and I had a girlfriend back then you know one of those girlfriends you just don't talk to <laughs> but like you're so awkward in like year seven you just like walk together everywhere <laughs> don't say anything write your initials in each other's bags yeah so. yeah stuff like that she's in your MSN 
Yeah, but, and I thought I'd be with her forever. So <laughs> we just used to like at lunchtime just play it together, but not say a word. <laughs> yeah. She then later dumped me for a friend. So. Oh. <laughs> After two and a half weeks of going out, oh, long term. Uh, yeah, long term. It's serious. Year <laughs> seven, baby. Oh, this is absolute banger. It's quite new to me, this song, actually. Like, the whole... I got into House before Disco. And if you haven't heard this one, this is... I'm pretty sure he's either a trans or gay guy from back in the day, like, 70s American, singing this song. And it's just, like, him making how he feels and then how music makes him feel. So it's a really good song to listen to. Proper old-school song. And... Dan Shaig played it when we were in the Alps in one of the clubs and it just it hits you a different level when you're a bit pissed as well. You're like, oh, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got like strong vocals, strong bass lines, strong drums, just like what old school disco track has. But it's, it's honestly a really good song. He's got another tune called Over and Over. That's what I've come yeah, with. Yeah, That's yeah. That's another real fucking banger. That it's, just, it's just got such a unique voice, yeah. I think. Makes yeah. literally a feel good tune that one unreal and we're wrapping the playlist up then with your last choice rush of young wild and free by snoop ah uh, this yeah. this one's like when i was 15 16 yeah yeah it's just like i think it, it was pretty much at that phase where i was going out of like growing into more like i want to party now kind of thing yeah. i'm at that age you know drink cider with my friends yeah. <laughs> like at royal welsh oh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it just reminds me of oh yeah s club seven coming only three and two and up and you're like drinking and you're like singing like so what we get drunk <laughs> literally that's it oh, really wow. is this thing on we're so what we get drunk, so what we smoke weed, we're just having fun, we don't care who sees, oh, so what we go out, that's how it's supposed to be, Instagram, I guess, oh my Rosh, oh my underscore Rosh. Um, Twitter, but not that really active. Everything's just oh my Rosh. It's just, that's my DJ name. That's just. Nice. I'm real. That's just what I roll with, I guess. I know. 
Oh mate, we've I love that. This is a point of most interesting chats. I really enjoyed it, mate. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah okay, so. One, two, three, four. And that's it for episode 16. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to Roshan for coming through. If you want to check out the playlists and the videos from the episode, head over to our Instagram at the.l.s or the website www.thels.co.uk. Sit down and soak it up.